The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Democracy in Talk Radio. 888 is our number. I have my great co-host who hasn't been on with me in a while because of vacation and traveling back and forth into New York and, you know, and D.C. and all that stuff uh, going on, but glad to have him back with us today. He is Brad Bannon. He runs Bannon Communications Research, a polling message development and media firm that helps labor unions, progressive issues groups, and Democratic candidates win public affairs and political campaigns. He's a regular contributor to TheHill.com, also a senior advisor and contributing editor for Tiller4U.com, the social media network for politics. He lectures in poli-sci at Salem State, Salem State University in Salem, Mass. More than a pleasure to have my partner in crime uh, on occasion. And glad to have him with us today, uh, co-hosting with me here on the only true democracy in talk radio, Brad Bannon. Brad is in the house. Hey, Brad, how you doing? I was, uh, I'm doing fine. Okay, good to have you with us. So many things uh, uh, to talk about. And um, I, I want to, and, you know, happy summer. Glad to speak with you. Um, let's start off talking about money. And when I say money, we have huge executives who have walked away from the president, five executives, after Charlottesville. Um, Let's talk about this because the fifth, the president of a manufacturing association, is Scott Paul, head of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, a good friend of the Leslie Marshall Show and a regular guest here. He is now the fifth executive to walk away from President Trump. And the, and the reason for this is that the president took two days to denounce white supremacy. Now, I just taped, as a guest, the Sean Hannity radio show. And Sean and the person I was debating, you know, tend to feel that all Democrats think all Republicans are racist and that this president's racist and people in his administration are racist, although some of us do think that, perhaps. Um, th- this isn't what this is about. This is about – it wasn't like he didn't say anything for two days, which would have been bad enough. It's what he said and then waited two days – after he had outrage in his own party, and imagine his Jewish son-in-law and Jewish daughter coming to him saying, hey, did you read some of those signs? This is not an appropriate response. So let's talk about these executives walking away, um, who they are, and really what they uh, were doing. Um, there has been backlash over the president's response to the violence at the rally, which was clearly a white supremacist rally, no question about that, in Charlottesville, Virginia, that took place over the weekend. And there are others like Kenneth Frazier, the CEO of a major pharmaceutical company, Merck. Kevin Plank, the CEO of Under Armour, who once uh, supported him. Now my son can wear his Under Armour stuff again. Brian uh, Kazanik, the CEO of Intel. They all resigned from the president's council. They all resigned from the president's council right after this. Elon Musk, CEO of Tesla, actually left earlier in the year after the president announced he was going to withdraw from the Paris Climate Agreement. And then the president on Twitter 
city has other CEOs ready to step in, and that grandstander should not have joined the Manufacturing Council in the first place. So let's talk about this. This is a Manufacturing Council, and now we have five, including Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, completely walking away because it took two days for the president to respond in a presidential appropriate manner. Well, uh, two things. First of all, it's uh, clear that President Trump had to be dragged kicking and screaming uh, to condemn the uh, right-wing violence uh, in Charlottesville. And before you uh, continue with that, Brad, who, who did that dragging of him? What, who was it that prompted him to change your sources in D.C.? What are you hearing? Um, uh, for my hear, it might have been his uh, son-in-law, uh, who you just mentioned, Jared Kushner. And I think he was taking so much flack, uh, he couldn't, uh, you know, he couldn't take any more flack. So he jumped in finally, uh, a little late, but uh, I think he was just, again, uh, uh, kicking and screaming. He didn't want to do it, uh, but a lot of people uh, wanted him to do it. And when the business types like the names you mentioned start jumping ship, uh, that's a real problem. It's one thing for the progressives to complain about Donald Trump, when, but when business leaders complain about him, uh, that's really bad news for the Republicans. Yeah, definitely. So, so let's talk about this again. Um, these people, this council, and uh, you know, in this response, um, is this just symbolic, or is it is it more? I think it's more than symbolic. I think, again, my guess is, I don't know uh, for sure, but my guess is uh, that if you look at these business executives, I would bet you serious money at least a couple or a few of them uh, are Republicans. And this, the uh, desertion of the business council shows that even now a lot of Republicans uh, nationally are souring on the president and regret the choice they made last November. So I think it is more than symbolic. Okay, and, and the, the, the people that are leaving, I know Scott Paul, you know him too. Yep. Um, you know, he's a friend of the show and he's been on. So I, I know Scott and I know him personally. And I know part of the, the, the problem in doing this is he has personal feelings about the president and, and, and some of this. But the Alliance for American Manufacturing is a nonpartisan organization. But racism is not a partisan issue. Well, you hope it is in any way, but I think Donald Trump is making it into a partisan issue. If you look at the national surveys, uh, any time they ask questions about right-wing extremists uh, or the alt-right, uh, you will find that uh, independents and Democrats uh, are harshly critical of the right wing, uh, and the only people who still uh, support right wingers are people who def define themselves as Republican. So sadly, it has. It sh you're right, it shouldn't be a partisan issue, but sadly it has become one. Well, on, uh, like I said, I taped Kennedy's radio show before, and he said, you know, that one of the Ten Commandments is, thou shalt not bear false witness, and he brings up, like, you know, race, uh, racism in the Democratic Party, like Senator Byrd, you know, former KKK, and, uh, you know, the Dem Southern Democrats, and, you know, people love to go back in history. Uh, but the reality is, right now, and I said this, and I know, and, 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 you know, his other guest was offended by it, but I said, if somebody walked up to me with a jacket that had a swastika and a Confederate flag and said, who do you think I voted for? I would have said Donald Trump or whoever the Republican candidate was. And that's not a prejudice for me. That's statistically accurate. 
there are not only people like David Duke and groups like the KKK that openly endorsed Donald Trump, who claims to be a Republican and ran on the Republican ticket for president, but if you look statistically at the demographics of where these people are from, certainly they're whites and they're mostly males. Uh, many of them, not all, certainly there are many here in California, too. A lot of hate groups go to the Museum of Tolerance. They have a map with lights of all the groups. It's scary how many are in California. But uh, many of them are from very red states and red districts. They overwhelmingly support the Republican candidate. I think it's just as accurate to say that those that are part of these anti-Semitic, racist, Islamophobic groups vote Republican, obviously, because they are in favor of building a wall. They are in favor of deportation and, and, and bans. I mean, hell, I think they probably, if they have a swastika on them, in favor of something far more that I don't want to be irresponsible in even saying, uh, looking back at the, the history of hatred. Um, I think it's just as accurate to say if you see a Hispanic person, they probably voted for a Democrat or African-American. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think that's racist, but, you know, you, you agree. It doesn't mean the Republican Party racist, but it is accurate to say the majority of people who are involved in associate with um, our members of racist organizations uh, overwhelmingly vote Republican more so nowadays in 2017 than they did Democrat. That's not racist. That, that's a factual statement, right? Well, it is. Uh, it is actually true. Uh, again, looking at national polls, you mentioned uh, the Trump wall on the Mexican border. Uh, if you look at the national polls, uh, pretty much Every Democrat and most independents are against the wall, and Republicans are overwhelmingly in favor of it. And there's a clear partisan divide here, uh, and there has been a, a partisan divide on it, race issues and other things uh, for a long time now. It came out very strongly while Barack Obama was president. The right wing uh, flipped out. And uh, again, I think it's very sad that this has become a partisan issue. Uh, you know, I mean, another good example, you're right about blacks and Latinos, too. Uh, about 90-something uh, percent of black voters uh, voted for Hillary Clinton. Uh, about uh, 75% of the Latino voters voted for Hillary Clinton. Uh, and if you uh, look at people who describe themselves as very conservative, uh, they all voted for Donald Trump. Uh, no question about it. Um, what was this um, council that, you know, of manufacturing? What did these people that walked away, what, what, what were they doing? a part of, and, you know, Trump says he is waiting to replace them. Uh, how accurate a statement, first, do you think that is? And second, talk about, you know, what what did these people do and what do we as Americans lose from them walking away from this council? Well, uh, the Business Council are a group of uh, executives uh, who uh, met periodically uh, with the president uh, to discuss economic uh, issues with them, uh, you know, the budget, uh, NAFTA, uh, you know, jobs, uh, they made, made, you met periodically, and I think it, the problem with uh, this council or its dissolution is that the most reasonable people uh, are the ones who left the business council uh, and the ones who stay diehard Trump supporters. So now on economic issues and other issues, I guess, Trump is just going to be hearing from the choir uh, instead of reasonable people uh, like Scott Paul. 
and I think that's very dangerous. Um, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about more because there's a lot going on in the news. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Brad Bannon. Questions, comments, opinions are welcome. 888 leslie 888-653-7543. Back in a moment. Marshall, and he is Brad Bannon from Bannon Communications Research, also a poli-sci lecturer at Salem State University. Uh, Brad, thank you for holding welcome back. Let's move sure. on to uh, another uh, topic, uh, unless we have folks that want to chat about this. Uh, last topic, and let's move on uh, to the next. Um, Catherine Gorka, who was a very controversial Trump aide, helped end funding for a group that fights white supremacy. Um, first of all, is she any relation to Sebastian Gorka? And uh, second, uh, talk to us uh, about this. Well, uh, first, I don't know if she's any... Uh relationship it's his wife. Uh, to Sebastian. Oh, it's his wife. Thank you. Mark just was Wife, okay. Uh, now, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a pretty clear-cut patent here. I mean, the patent is that, you know, and the group that they cut off funding to wasn't the only anti-violence uh, group that they cut off funding to. Uh, there's a clear patent here. Uh, the uh, Trump administration is using funding to... Uh, federal funding to reward right-wing groups and to punish left-wing groups. And uh, this is just one example. Um, and interesting, because her husband, Sebastian, I have I, met Sebastian Gorka, and I'm, I'm being completely honest, just, you know, my opinion. He used to be a contributor. I'm a Fox News contributor, people know. It was in D.C. I was in the waiting room. I was waiting to go on special report with Brett Baer. And I have to say, normally, whether they agree with my position or not, uh, in the waiting room at Fox, people are generally very polite and professional. He was professional. I guess you could say he was polite. How do I put it? You know on Law and Order when they say there was nothing behind the eyes? <laughs> yep. Uh, I'm just saying, it was very obvious he had, he didn't like me, disdain, whatever it was. I mean, come on, I'm half Jewish, married to a guy, you know, from a Muslim family, you know, let's go with that. I'm a Democrat, I'm a liberal, I'm a woman. I mean, just keep going on. Um, you know, you, you can tell by the lack of uh, eye contact. Somebody says, you know, hello, doesn't shake your hand, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so um, when when he when he's come out, like, I mean, when the, the president hasn't responded to numerous attacks on mosques, mosques having an explosive device being burnt down, the Sebastian Gork is like, well, we think they may have said it themselves. Really? Well, what about the other six that happened in the past couple of months? Yes, yes. There is well, again, a there's a patent here. A uh, just last week, uh, the uh, uh, CNN fired a uh, uh, commentator, uh, Jeffrey Lord, I think his name is, uh, because he uh, added a SWAT sticker uh, to a tweet he sent out. And this is not the first time that Trump has, and his uh, supporters have been in the company of lots of right-wing wackos. Uh, they, you know, if you look at the people who staffed the White House, I mean, Stephen Bannon, not, no relation, by the way, Stephen Bannon has all sorts of ties to extreme right-wing groups uh, who uh, is, support is, violence Bannon, and support terrorism. Steve Bannon's wife, under oath, said that her husband did not like Jews and he didn't want his children going to school with uh, other Jews. 
There's all sorts of people like that in the Trump administration, in the Trump circle. They're basically very intolerant of anybody who's not a white and male. Uh, and God knows, uh, yeah, you know, these people are, you know, what's scary to me is the extent they're willing to identify themselves, like Jeffrey Lord, uh, as uh, sympathizers for the Nazis. I mean, we fought a war to get rid of uh, the Nazi regime. Uh, hundreds of thousands of American soldiers were killed, and a lot of people, a lot of Trump supporters, uh, tr uh, treat the Nazi party like it was just a nuisance and didn't kill millions of people. That is very scary. So when we talk about this woman specifically, Catherine uh, Gorka, can we you know, talk in you know, some uh, more detail and specifics about this? Well, yeah, uh, besides the... I mean, not the, about uh, her necessarily, but about these actions? Uh, I don't know much about her, but I think she is a late liaison uh, in the White House to uh, outside groups. And most of the outside groups she liaises with are pretty scary people. Uh, the, uh, the organization she cut off the funding for, uh, she's also cut off, told the, uh, you know, all sorts of Muslim groups that they're losing their fun funding. And again, these aren't isolated instances. If you look at the whole picture, there are just too many instances of Trump people with ties to extreme right-wing groups. Right. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a moment. By the way, that grant was revoked to Life After Hate, a group that works to de-radicalize neo-Nazis, and that was weeks before three died and 19 were injured in that, at the supremacist rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, back after this. 653-7543. I'm Leslie Marshall. He's Brad Bannon. Looking forward to hearing from you. Uh, we were just talking about uh, Catherine Gorka, who is the wife of Sebastian Gorka, in a weeks before the violent supremacist, white supremacist rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, that led to three deaths and 19 injuries, how the Trump administration revoked a grant to Life After Hate. That's a group to work that works to de-radicalize neo-Nazis. The Department of Homeland Security had awarded the group 400000 as part of its Countering Violent Extremism Program the, first, the beginning of the year. And just days before, former President Barack Obama left office. Now, it was the only group selected for a grant that focused exclusively, now this is very important, focused exclusively on fighting white supremacy, but the grant money was not immediately dispersed. Trump aides that include Catherine Gorka, wife of Sebastian, very, uh, uh, a lot of nepotism in that uh, administration, a controversial national security analyst known for her anti-Muslim rhetoric, were already working toward eliminating Life After Hate's grant and to direct all funding toward fighting what the president has described as, quote, radical Islamic terrorism. So it would seem some of her personal desires are going toward some of our tax dollars' use. In December, she was a member of his transition team. She met with George Salem, the DHS official who headed the Countering Violent Extremis Extremism Program until he resigned last month, and then his deputy, David Gersten. Now, Gorka told them she didn't agree with the Obama administration's approach to countering violent extremism, particularly the way the administration had described the threat of extremism, according to Nate Snyder, an Obama administration DHS counterterrorism official, who was an advisor on countering violent extremism efforts and was given a readout of the meeting. The Trump administration repeatedly criticized the previous administration for avoiding terms like radical Islam out of concern that it could alienate Muslims in the U.S. and abroad. Now, Brad, I think we've touched upon this before. You know, I said on Fox 
one or two times, radical Islam. And I did it to prove that when I finished saying that, there were still radical terrorists in the world, and ISIS was still alive and well. Say well, that. that's a good example, Leslie, because every time there is a terrorist attack in Europe by Islamic extremists, you know, the president, you know, five minutes later will tweet out something about the dangers of, of terrorism. But when something happens in his own backyard where a bunch of neo-Nazis uh, actually kill some peaceful demonstrators, uh, he, he, for 48 hours, he doesn't say a word. Uh, I think that says it all. Uh, it, clearly. And also, I mean, the people he's surrounding himself with and that, the kind of tweet that came out after Charlottesville, the rhetoric that he's made about Mexicans and Muslims and the people in his administration, uh, you know, with the names uh, Bannon and the other Steve Guy and Jeff Sessions and Gorka and now his wife, I'm sorry, but birds of a feather do flock together. Yeah, absolutely they do, and they've uh, all nested in the White House, uh, and it's very scary. Uh, you know, I, today I was reading about uh, sh something about Charlottesville, and I pulled out the standard reference book on uh, Nazi Germany, the rise and fall of the Third Reich, and there's a quote in there which I think is very appropriate. Uh, Those who don't remember history are condemned to relive it. And all I could see when I saw the, those uh, people carrying the tiki tor tortures uh, in Charlottesville uh, the other day is the documentary films that you see of Nazi Germany, uh, where you have all these uh, brown shirts uh, carrying tortures. Uh, it, it's just scary. It's just, you know, I, I, and I guess the other thing I have to say, is it any wonder that the president's job rating is down to 34%? He is wildly out of sync with mainstream American public opinion, and that's why there are very few people besides his core supporters uh, who are sticking with him. Uh, yes, and, and by the way, just a little bit about both Catherine and her husband. Um, her husband is Sebastian Gorka. Uh, he's a White House official as well. They've collaborated on numerous writings about the threat of radical Islam. Uh, they have a large following within far-right circles. They both have bylines at Breitbart News. Hello, Steve Bannon and the administration. Uh, mainstream national security experts um, are either unfamiliar with or critical of their work. And the day after he won the election, Sebastian Gorka said, quote, I predict with absolute certitude the jettisoning of concepts such as CVE, the Countering Violent Extremism Program. And once Trump entered the White House in January, the office of then DHS Secretary John Kelly ordered a full review of the CVE. Kelly's office wanted to revet the groups receiving a portion of the $10 million Congress had appropriated for the program, even though DHS had already publicly announced the grant recipient. And while that review was underway, DHS and FBI warned in, in an in internal intelligence bulletin of the threat posed by white supremacy that white supremacists were responsible for 49 homicides and 26 attacks in 16 years from 2000 to 2016. Uh, Brad, the president was warned. Are we are in agreement there? Yeah, I, the, you know, the president just casually ignores uh, any instance of right-wing terrorism, is always harping on Muslim groups. Uh, it, you know, I, 
few months ago, right after Trump was elected, I saw a lot of things on social media about, well, this is the start of fascism, uh, you know, Hitler-style, Nazi-style fascism in the United States. And I thought to myself when I saw them, wow, that's really extreme. Uh, that couldn't happen here. But now I'm beginning to wonder. Uh, you all see all sorts of signs of fascism, uh, right-wing violence, and Americans better pay attention uh, because we're going to lose the system we have. We're going to lose the democracy we have uh, if uh, this, these groups are tolerated uh, by the president and his uh, staff. Um, I, I want I, I want to you know talk a little bit more about this, but we have other things to move on to as, as well. Um, staffers in the Countering Violent Extremism Program have been long pushed uh, for it to address threats to domestic terrorists, and that includes white supremacists. But you know, when the DHS published a new list of award recipients on June 23rd, there was no mention of life after hate, and they also revoked funding from the Muslim Public Affairs Council (MPAC), who I know a lot of people there. It's an American Muslim advocacy organization. It was told in January it received a $393,000, $800 grant to uh, create community resources centers throughout the country. And uh, after publishing the new list of grantees, the DHS told MPAC, the Muslim Public Affairs Council, that it was now prioritizing organizations that worked with law enforcement. The money that was initially set aside for these groups, and you've got to remember, all of these groups have staff. They have employees. So you, these people are losing jobs. So the people with MPAC, Muslim Public Affairs Council, and Life After Faith, hate, well, uh, uh, th that money is now going to go to law enforcement agencies who get money already to run the law enforcement agency. Um, so, you know, uh, Omar Nureldin, uh, MPAC's uh, vice president, who I actually know, uh, said, is this really just a front for targeting the Muslim community? He's now looking into whether the Trump administration's use of the Countering Violent Extremism Program's funds actually violates the appropriation intent uh, that was congressionally uh, provided originally. Um, and Life After Hate, it was founded, by the way, by a former white supremacist, by former white supremacists, a group of them who have renounced their, their racist ideology. They help people transition out of hate and reassimilate into society being tolerant instead of haters. How great is that? Christian Piccolini is a former neo-Nazi and co-founder of the group. He told uh, the press that he was not surprised by the devastation in Charlottesville. He said that the white supremacy movement has been growing, but it's also been shape-shifting. He said it's gone from, quote, what we would have considered very open neo-Nazis and skinheads and KKK marching to now people that look like our neighbors, our doctors, our teachers, our mechanics. And it's certainly starting to embolden them because a lot of the rhetoric that's coming out of the White House today is so similar to what we preach, but in a slightly more palatable way. That's a former Nazi. That's a former neo-Nazi. Yeah. The message that he was part of. Brad? Brad? Yeah. Uh, you know, look at some of the people who led the uh, rally, a Nazi rally in Charlottesburg. You have Richard Spencer, who's an avowed Nazi sympathizer. You have David Duke, um, who was a, at one point a chief of, a, of the Ku Klux Klan and also an avowed Nazi sympathizer. You know, one of these days, 
And when I see this, it's going to time to uh, move to Canada. Somebody in the Trump, one Trump supporter is going to say, you know, Hitler wasn't a bad guy. He was just misunderstood. I mean, that's the attitude I get from this uh, administration. When the president uh, spoke Friday and gave a very mild general uh, disapproval of the events in Charlotte, Charlottesville, uh, Spencer, I saw Spencer get on CNN and say, well, this is a clear sign, since he didn't mention uh, the right wing, that the president favors uh, the right wing extremism. And the president has to be clear enough uh, to discourage people uh, like Richard Spencer from claiming White House sponsorship. And I honestly don't think that the people in the Trump administration thought anything bad happened in Charlotte. Besides a few three people got run over by a car, uh, it's just boys being boys. And that kind of attitude is very, very scary. Um, I also want to take some calls. Let's start it out in the Bronx in New York with Mike. It's trumped up. That's what it is. Let me, let me get that off my chest right now. But I am so mad and also scared at what is going on here. And, you know, you guys won't call this, but I'm going to say it, that we are dealing with a mafia style of racist, organized crime that's in the White House. And, yes, I'm calling Donald J. Trump a godforsaken terrorist. That's exactly what he is, because you go back to the campaign now, he's the one that was catering to these far-right-wing nationalists and extremists. He was the one that called all Mexicans, all Muslims, all blacks, pretty much women that disagree with him, um, all evil, all bad, all out of touch, anything and everything negative. He put targets on all of our backs and encouraged the violence, saying, beat the bleep out of them, carry them out in the stretcher, and using all sorts of race of um, hateful and violent rhetoric, and when he utters his mouth or opens his mouth, subsequently one of his followers or many of his followers follow through with what he was speaking of, you know, engaging in the physical violence. It kept going on and on and on, even until today, even what happened in Charlottesville, and his followers always invoking his name, Trump. So when Trump went engaged the speech that he did on Saturday. That was just sugar-coated, and I, would, I wouldn't even take his latest speech today, and I don't trust there will be a full investigation because, let's not forget, Mr. Jeff Sessions, Attorney General, was part of that group, as well as Steve Bannon, as well as Steve Miller. That was the other Steve that you were referring to, Leslie. I mean, this, the whole doggone White House is plagued with racism and hate. And what it seems to be happening is that these nationalists have been given the free pass and green light to be going about what they're doing in domestic terrorism with the idea that they are immune to consequences, immune to prosecution, that they will always get away with it and not a damn thing we can do about it, at least not yet. So, yes, I'm calling for a full prosecution. Amnesty International, where are you when we need you? Call for a full prosecution against those that engage in that violence. And we know who the perpetrators are. And the very same ones that incited that violence 
time and time again. And that includes Mr. Trump. I don't give a rat's rump if his title is president. He is not above the law, and I will not bow down and kiss his ass. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, Brad, any comments? Uh, well, uh, all I can think of when Michael's speaking is what Trump should have done. Uh, what Trump should have done in his first response uh, to the events in Charlottesville on Friday, he should have got in the White House press room, talked to the press, and said, David Duke, Richard Spencer, I'm not going to tolerate uh, this kind of violence. It's not peaceful demonstrations. It's not protected by the First Amendment. Uh, and you guys uh, are a dangerous influence in encouraging violence. And in fact, this case, actually doing violence. But he didn't do that. He issued a sort of general statement. Well, it's unfortunate what happened in Charlotte. And it took him two days to uh, actually condemn the right-wing groups. And the president, the most important power the president has is the power to persuade. And the presidency is a forum for rousing Americans uh, and warning them of the dangers uh, that this country faces. And his approach to right-wing terrorism in the United States is so, ca- is so casual, uh, it, it's real. I, I, this is a serious problem. I am worried uh, about our democracy. If this is the way we're going, we're in big trouble. <laughs>